This week on the Young Adults Podcast, Sister Hannah Norman teaches on Romans chapter 8. Undershirt has to be white. There's, did anyone go to CCS? Do you remember these like weird rules? And it's like, no, you, get a, you actually get a demerit for that. And it's like, they want to do the right thing, but sometimes it's like you just don't measure up. Paul says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I want to serve God, but I keep being tempted and falling into sin. I just can't get things right. And in chapter eight, Paul shows us we are in a battle where we want to follow the law. We want to please God. We don't want to be self-righteous, but we continue down a spiral. The battle is hard because you keep being pulled both ways. Sometimes it like almost feels like you're dizzy, like you, you mess up and so you try to fix it and you overcorrect and then you mess up again and it's like you keep just spiraling down. But in 8.1 it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, sin and death, they separate us from God. That Adam and Eve, that original sin, we broke our relationship with God. And no longer are we in this perfect, right relationship. The law of sin and death, they separate us from God. God. And they bring condemnation. They bring that sorry, guilty feeling of, I can't get things right. But Paul says, hey, guess what? This is the New Testament now. There is therefore now no condemnation. Now that doesn't mean there's no conviction. And I really like um, Brother Woodward. He had this chart. Zach calls me a chart maker. I love making charts. I love looking at things in charts. They just make a lot more sense to me. But condemnation and conviction, they're, they're kind of similar and they're kind of hard to tell the difference. But both of them have a tangible sense of guilt. Both of them, you have that overwhelming feeling of, oh no, I messed it up again. And both of them are caused because of our sins and our failures. It's, it's my fault. I, I really did the wrong thing. The difference, though, is that condemnation comes from the devil and conviction comes from God. Condemnation pushes us away from God and away from repentance, while conviction pulls us to God and to repentance. You see, you can even look at it with the words. Condemned is condemned, being damnation. Conviction, though, comes from the word like convinced. God is, wants to convince you, hey, turn to me. Turn away from your sins. Repent. And we have to embrace that conviction. When we realize we've messed up, we've let, we've let God down again. But he says, let me pull you out. So there's still going to be conviction, but there should not be condemnation. When we are walking in the spirit, we can come to God, turn away from our sins. And he is faithful and just. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that knows you and wants to pull you out of that sin? In the new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we, we no longer walk after the flesh. This old song, I, I'm sure other churches sing it, but my church always used to sing it. I don't walk like I used to walk. I don't talk like I used to talk. Because he made 
a difference in my life. You see, when you come into God, when you come into under the spirit of life in Christ, that's new law, you don't have to act like you used to act. You don't have to hang out with the same people you used to hang out with. Jesus came, and when he came, he came to condemn sin and fulfill the law. To not only give you freedom from sin, but freedom to live according to the Spirit. You see, we shouldn't let the flesh call the shots anymore. This shouldn't be something that I just let my, my flesh do whatever it wants. No, I have to submit that to God and say, God, help me be an overcomer. Let's read verse 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. You see, the law of God, the, the original law, reveals God's moral code and condemns sinners for their disobedience. I've mentioned it before, but I just I love this. This guy that I worked with at Starbucks, he said, so it's like you use the Bible as like your moral book of conduct. And I was like, yeah, you don't? Like, yeah, this is the moral book of conduct. This is what you're supposed to do. And it condemns sinners for their disobedience. But Paul even admits, he says, the sin weakened self doesn't even have the power to switch your allegiance from the law of sin to the law of God. You're not strong enough on your own to say, okay, I don't want to be under the law of sin. I want to be under the law of God. I was reading and it made this correlation with uh, the slaves in, in American history. You see, these slaves, they had heard of the constitutional law and the Bill of Rights that all men were created equal. But see, they were under a different law the law of their slave masters. I teach U.S. history, so pardon another U.S. history illustration, but there was a certain doctor who moved, who lived in the South and moved to Illinois and Wisconsin with his slave. However, in Illinois and Wisconsin, slavery was illegal, but he has a slave, so he takes a slave to Illinois and Wisconsin. Then he moves back to Missouri. This slave named Dred Scott sues him in court because he says, wait a second, I lived where I was supposed to be free and I was still a slave. Like, I can't be your slave. This reaches the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court Justice Roger Taney says, Scott, I'm sorry, you can't sue because you're not considered a citizen. And also, the constitutional law protects property and slaves are considered property. So you are still a slave. Not only can you not sue, but even if you could sue, it doesn't matter because the law is on your master's side. See, even the law of those states were free. Dred Scott was considered a slave. Slaves remained powerless to change their situation until a chief executive, a liberator, proclaimed an emancipation in later the 13th Amendment. You see, what the slaves could not do for themselves and what the constitutional law could not even do, Lincoln, with the emancipation, began to do. You see, the law of Moses couldn't help me. The law of Moses couldn't help you because it depended on your weak flesh to follow it. But Jesus made himself a man and by his death, his burial and resurrection destroyed the power of sin over you. 
It's not because of you that you can live this life above sin. It's Christ in you. That spirit in you that gives you the strength that I have the opportunity to walk in holiness and righteousness. It, it's not me, it's him. He came in the flesh and yet did not sin. And now we have the opportunity to be like him. I can't be proud of this. I can't say it's because of me because it is him in me. And every time we have these personal battles and we can say like, how do I win? How do I keep conquering sin? How, how do I keep doing it? It's just battle by battle every time. It's not like I get a check mark or a little star on my Sunday school, you made it to church. It's literally God in you saying, we're gonna overcome. We are gonna overcome. You trust me and follow me and walk with me and I will help you overcome. Verse five says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. This mind means to set our affections on. For they that are after the flesh do the things after the flesh. It's the stuff they talk about. It's the stuff they watch or they listen to. It's their priorities. It's how they spend their money. It's how they spend their time. What are we so focused on? They that mind the things of the flesh are, they're after the flesh. But they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. And this isn't like some ultra spiritual thing. It's just being filled with God's spirit and following what he says. It's what God is really doing in you. Not what other people think God's doing in you. It's what actually you're allowing God to do in you. Verse six, for to be carnally minded is death. And this one, this scripture really got me. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So if I want to be carnal minded and do whatever I, whatever Hannah wants to do, whatever my flesh wants to do, whatever bad attitude I want to keep, then it, the outcome is death. But if I want to submit my life to God, not only do I get to live in him, but I get to have peace. I don't have to be worried about all of my circumstances because I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in a law that's above sin. I'm, not lo I'm no longer bound to the law of sin and death. Verse seven says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You see, all of us have enmity towards God. That's literally like hostile. And even people in our world who are good people. I know one person, they serve in soup kitchens. They work really hard to help the underprivileged people make sure they have health insurance. They reach out to the poor and needy, but they're not submitted to God and his moral laws. They don't follow God's commandments. So yeah, you can be whatever kind of good person you want and give your little check boxes. I, oh, I, I helped these people. I did this right. I did this right. But if you are not submitted to God, you you are letting your carnality keep that hostility towards God. And your flesh cannot please God. And my flesh cannot please God. But if you have the Holy Ghost in you, you please God. The verse nine says, but ye are not in the flesh. You, you're not in the flesh. Why? Because you're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you kind of sounds like the Holy Ghost in you, right? So if you have the Holy Ghost, you're not of the flesh. You're of the Spirit. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. 
You see, I, I want to be called his. And I, I want him to be called mine. But if I want to have that right relationship with God, I have to let him operate in me. It's not like you got the Holy Ghost, you spoke in tongues, and then you're free to do whatever you want to do. It's commitment after commitment. And I don't know about you, but it's like more than daily to me. It's battle after battle, time after time. It's not just some, it, it's supposed to be easy, but it's like, it also feels hard. It's this battle of, it, it's really simple though. I just submit to God and let his spirit have his way in my life. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. I, I had this like epiphany while I was reading, like you have to have the Holy Ghost to get to heaven. I, I know that, I, I believe it 100%. But it's like, man, Hannah, you need the Holy Ghost to get through today. It's not just like I need the Holy Ghost for some eternal thing. Yes, of course I do. But I need the Holy Ghost to keep myself in check today. Battle after battle. Verse 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. You know, that spirit that raised up that flesh of God, that raised him up from the dead, that's the same Holy Ghost inside of you. What a powerful thing. And that same spirit will quicken. That means to energize you. You're gonna have troubles and trials. We're gonna face problems. We're gonna face difficult people. But he said, this is gonna energize you to give you a life above what the normal reaction would be. When people were under the law of sin and death, they reacted pretty badly. But you, you have the spirit in you. That same spirit lives in you to help you overcome sin. You know, we don't have to walk around bound and in bondage. And I, I think about this sometimes. Like, I, I want God to, to bring back the addict and to bring back the alcoholic and deliver them. But I want God to deliver the depressed and the worried and the people who are fighting anxiety. Because God is saying, listen, I've come to give you a life of peace. I haven't just come to deliver the people that have been in hardcore stuff. I've come to deliver your mind, to give you a life above worries and doubts and fears. Verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We don't have to live like that. We aren't a slave to sin. You see, when Dred Scott was a slave and he was under the law of his slave master, he couldn't even go before the Supreme Court and get it figured out. He was under a law until someone else stepped in and made a new law. This new law, this spirit of Christ. Verse 13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Mortify, to kill the sins of the flesh. And it's frustrating. It gets annoying to do it time after time after time. But, Jesus, but Paul is saying here, listen, let Jesus in you every time it comes. You just knock it down. I'm going to let God handle this. I'm going to live a life that is led by the Spirit. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are children of God, of the Most High. If you let yourself be led by the Spirit, you let God crucify the flesh, you are a child of God. 
then we are sons of God. And I like someone, I think it was Brother Kilman pointed this out. I have this note in my Bible. But if you're not led by the Spirit, you're not a son of God. I read that and just had a little note here. It's like, man, that's right. If I'm not letting the Spirit lead me, if I'm not letting God reign in my life, I'm not a son. Verse 15, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We are not We do not have to carry around a spirit of fear. We do not have to carry around the bondage and the baggage from the world because we have a new identity of a father who loves his sons. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Brother Woodward said it like this. It's like we have a joint checking account with Jesus. If I, if I have a worry, that's okay. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We've heard it time and time again. A joint checking account. I've never had the joint checking account with my mom, but she banks at the bank I used to bank at when I was in uh, high school and college. And, you know, a few times I had... I've mentioned in here many flat tires. And my mom, we banked at the same bank so she could just transfer money over. It's all right. We got the flat tire fixed. I didn't have any money, but thankfully my mom did. We have a joint checking account with the king of kings, with the creator, with the one who holds the sun and moon and all the planets in place. And I, and I have reason to worry? no. He's a good father who loves his children. Even when we're worried about the fleshly desires, we're worried about what we're struggling with. It's like, no, no. If the Holy Ghost can overcome that, I can overcome that. I have a joint checking account. What he's able to overcome, I am able also to overcome. Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. No matter what we're going through, we might have trials today. In my old Bible, it's not in this Bible, but in my old Bible, I have this verse circled. And I remember, I found it. I, I had read it and I had heard the verse before, but I was in college, it was finals time. And any of you in finals time right now? Anybody? Okay, it's a little stressful. And I remember, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. They're not even worthy to be compared to what is coming because there's a tomorrow coming. There's an eternity coming free of pain and sorrow and we can't even compare the two. When I am weak, he is strong. When I am distressed, his strength is made perfect. Verse 26, likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You see, 
God in his infinite wisdom is, is so powerful and so wise. He says, listen, you have to have the Holy Ghost and you, you have to be submitted to me and you gotta keep praying to be submitted because if you try to go too long without it, you're gonna find yourself in a mess. And he said, listen, you've gotta pray, but when you, when you lose the words to even speak, that's okay, you just pray. That when you speak in tongues, God says, I'm gonna move in you and I'm gonna pray for what you can't even utter yourself. Have you ever been there so lost and confused and just, I don't even know what to ask for, God. I don't know how you're going to fix this. I don't know what your will is. I don't, even, I don't even have any words. And he says, no, no, it's okay. I have this all under control. You see, we need the Holy Ghost. It's not just some law God made to say, yep, if you don't get it, you can't make it to heaven. It's like, listen, I'm going to help you make it. I'm going to give you what you need to make it. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, things in your life might be upside down. You might be out of control, but God is working for your good. Zach and I found these, um, does anyone have the version Bible app? I recommend you find like the little videos on there. I can't remember how you get there, but if you just mess around on the app, they have these videos that are like overviews of every book of the Bible and they're like little drawings and they're really mesmerizing to watch, but they're really incredible. So you should check them out. But on this one, it said that at the end of Genesis, when Joseph has been sold into slavery, he's worked his way up in Potiphar's house and, and with Pharaoh. And now he is, he says, that's his brothers come back and he says, that's okay. What you meant for evil, God meant it unto good. I know you worked really against me. I mean, you sold me into slavery, um, but, but God worked it out for good. And then in this little video, it, you're zoomed in on Joseph's life, and then they zoom out for all of Genesis, and it says, this was the whole theme of Genesis. What Satan meant for evil, God kept working it out for good. But isn't that the story of our lives today? What the devil meant for evil, what people meant for evil, God is working on your behalf. He is, you have a joint checking account with Jesus, and he is working for your behalf. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God is working for us. In verse 31, it says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> if you have the Holy Ghost in you, if God is in you, who can be against you? If that Holy Ghost is active in your life, what could come against you and when? Well, obviously nothing. In, in the next few verses, verse 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? I looked up the word. It means like pressure or anguish. Shall distress or persecution, famine, pearl, sword, which literally when I looked up meant judicial punishment. Nothing that comes against you, even in, in the government, even in the worst case scenarios, even in famine, nothing can come 
against us. Nothing can separate us from the law of God. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You are more than a conqueror. That more than conquerors literally means like hyper conquerors. Like you're not only a conqueror, you're like a super hyper conqueror. Like running around, defeating things, taking care of business. Not, you are a more than a conqueror in tribulation. You are more than a conqueror in famine. You are more than a conqueror when the government comes against you. You are more than a conqueror with Christ in you. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, or things present, or things to come. Nothing that's happening right now, nothing that's happening in the future, nothing that's in my past. I'm more than a conqueror. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. The only thing left out here is you. The only thing to keep you from operating under the law of God is you. And this is why we need the Holy Ghost active in us. It's not just something you can check off. I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven and I'm saved. Well, good. Have you prayed today? Have you submitted yourself today? And I told you, I got to submit myself time after time after time in one day. And it sometimes does feel weary, but God is saying, I am in you and I am on your side. And none of these things can separate you from me. If the music could come and we could stand. There is nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God. God is calling us to be in a deeper relationship with him. God is saying to us, I need, your, I need you to submit yourself every day. You're no longer under the law of sin and death. You see, I saved you from that. I came and I died for you so you could have the opportunity to live life above sin and anguish. But not so that we could be self-righteous and say, like Brother Woodward said, my little old flesh is so good. No, it's Christ in me that's my only hope that Christ could work in me that I would allow myself to be available to what he's called me to do that I wouldn't carry around bitterness from my past that I wouldn't be bitter and angry towards people that I could submit those things to him and say God you work in me I surrender everything that I have to you. If the music could just sing, let's just worship with them for a moment. Lord, we give you everything, every part of my heart, God. I surrender to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stop. 